2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Start reading down about verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or by our epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. So maybe that's what we'll read. And I don't intend to spend a long time thinking about the early part of this chapter, but I believe we've got to get the context of what he's saying here. In the early part of this, he's speaking about the shape, the condition of the world and what would happen before the Lord Jesus would come back. It looks like Paul, in his first letter to the Thessalonians, uh, they, they were scared by his letter. And they thought the Lord was going to come back tomorrow. They thought it was imminent. And he, he wrote this letter to comfort their minds a little. And uh, so he says, Let no man deceive you. That day shall not come, except there be a great falling away first. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of opinions, a lot of thoughts about the Scripture. But I believe we can say this. We're in a day of great falling away. Yeah. And that's a defection from the truth. That's right. what that word means. A day of great defection from the truth Maybe. in our natural world, in our country, in our government, in our schools, and right down into our churches. Yeah. Man has defected from the truth of the Word of God and turned to lies and to fables and to things that there's no basis in the Scripture. People are believing and trusting in things from pulpits and churches and the traditions of men that have absolutely no basis in the Scripture. Man has defected from the truth of God to the place that if you begin to speak the truth, they'll shut you off, they'll despise you, and you won't be back. So certainly we're in that day, I believe without a shadow of a doubt, great deception lies and deceit in the day that we're in. Uh, I've got several scriptures wrote down and we're not going to cover these. I just I would like to read some of these scriptures just so you see how many places that this is told of. This is going to be a great problem. The deception and the lies and the deceitfulness of Satan. In Matthew 24, this ain't a comprehensive list either. This is just a few places. Matthew 24, verse number 10. And then shall many be offended, shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, 
the love of many shall wax cold. On over in verse 24, the same chapter. There shall arise false Christs and false prophets shall shew great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible they should deceive the very elect. In the book of Acts chapter number 20, Paul speaking to the leaders of the church at Ephesus, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. In Romans chapter number 16, he warns the church at Rome, same, and it's all the same warning. Romans chapter 16 verse 17, Mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they are such as serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. I could go on in Galatians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and chapter 4, Titus chapter 1, Hebrews 13, 2 Peter chapter 2, the entire book of Jude, and in First and Second John, you find warnings of deceivers, of liars, of those that are contrary to sound doctrine. Now why, over and over and over again, does God warn about those that would lead away from sound doctrine? Well now, you think about it now. If what's going to get people saved is the truth of the gospel and the preaching of it, and I misunderstand or I misinterpret the Word of God, that's not truth. That's a misinterpretation. That's deceit. And by veering from the true doctrine of the Word of God, the message of salvation is lost. So over and over and over again, the Word of God is exhorting us to stay with the truth. Cut off those. Don't allow them the time of day that spread doctrine that's contrary to the Word of God. If they're going to stand for something that's contrary to God's Word, we ought to put them out because if you don't, that leaven's going to leaven the whole lump. They'll be more and more begin to think that way and before long, the doctrine of the Lord Jesus is going to be gone. Now folks, we're, we're there today. We're there that there's just a handful of churches that you could read the verses that I've read right here and they not be mad at you. They'll be upset. Now what happened? Do we not all believe the same Bible? Sure we do. They carry the same Bible that we do, but there's been a misinterpretation there's been traditions of men that's been introduced right. and that's what we've held on to and the doctrine's been lost. Mm. Well, that's what we see in the first part of chapter 2 of Thessalonians. A time of great deceit. Mm. The truth is not known. The truth is not believed. And man's heart has been turned to lies. And he says this in verse 11... For this cause God shall send them strong delusion, fraudulence, straying from orthodoxy, that they should believe to have faith in, upon, or in respect to. That is the same word that you see through the New Testament referring to believing in Christ for salvation. But you know where their faith is? In a lie. 
their faith is in something that is untrue. How many people today, they've got a salvation in their mind that is based on the belief in a lie? Now, of what value is that salvation? No. No, it's deception. They're deceived. They've been blinded. And that's all over our world today. So how is it then in a time of such great deception that opposition to the truth is coming from every corner and tradition in families is even opposing the gospel? How is it that we believe? Well, he says right here, we are bound to give thanks always to God. Paul's thankful for the church at Thessalonica. You know who he's thankful to? He's not thankful to them that they believed. Not thankful to them that they were willing. Not thankful for what good religious people they were. But he's thankful to God for them. You know who you can thank for the family of God? You can thank God Himself. Because God Himself is the one that has put the family together. Uh, We talk... I don't remember where, if it was a Bible study, Sunday school, but God called the most unlikely people to be a part of His family. He didn't go to the high holy places. He didn't search out the best of the best to save. and That's what you and I would do if we was picking teams. We're going to pick out those that we perceive to be the best. But you know where God went? He went to the holes of the world, down in the very pits of hell, and He plucked men and women as brands from the burning out from the power of Satan and wickedness and brought them into his family. Such were some of you. Those people that there's no way, preacher, that those people are going to the kingdom of God. That's what the Word of God says. But such were some of you. The Lord took them and washed them and saved them. And friends, those that are our family, those in the family of God, God's the one to be thanked for that. God's the one that did it. Thank for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning... So this is God that's done this. And God's done it from the beginning. So the question is, what beginning was this? The beginning of my life? The beginning of the work and the ministry of Christ? I mean, some people think from the the beginning of my time that I believed? I don't believe that. I, I believe it's quite apparent that from the beginning... The beginning of the world. From the foundation of the world. Now you talk about a plan of God. So much in our world is just slipshod, made up on a whim and slammed together. That's not the family of God. This was planned out from the beginning by the Word of God. God hath from the beginning chosen. Now that word means take for oneself or to prefer. So God, from the beginning, chose the church at Thessalonica. Uh Now, boy, I'll tell you, that's that's resistance ground right there. Man will resist that. But is that is, plain and simple, what the Word of God says. How was it in a time of such great deception and idolatry as 50 or 60 A.D. when Paul penned this down, that there was a little number down at Thessalonica that believed the gospel and was saved. How is it 
And you know, Spring Creek, this area, the Bible Belt of the country, but my God, look at the Bible Belt and the condition of people and look at how people believe and what people think. How many are truly saved? How is it in this day of great lies and deception where the devil seems to have control over everything? How is it that these people that are saved and in the family of God God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation. Well, I thought we chose. That's the problem. Men are telling people, why don't you make a decision? And why don't you come to the Lord? And whosoever will, if you will, come and be saved. They're spreading a lie that is not sound doctrine and people are believing. And you know what they're believing in? a trip to the altar and the words that they said in the altar. They're believing and basing a salvation in a work that they did at the direction of a man. You know what that is? That's believing and trusting in a lie. This salvation that Paul's writing about, this that the Thessalonians had, they had something that God put together from the very beginning of the world. What a salvation. He hath chosen you to salvation. So how is God then, from the beginning, thousands of years previous, how's God going to get this to where we are today? Well, here's the method. Through sanctification, that's purification, that's what the word means, of the Spirit, and belief of the truth. So God chose the church to be saved from the beginning through sanctification of the Spirit. You know what there was present in everyone that's ever been born again? Before they ever believed. Before they ever came to the altar. Before they ever submitted themselves to the Lord. The Spirit of God was working within them, purifying them. Purifying them from what? From the pollution of the lies of the devil that had been planted in their mind their whole life. Because you see, I had trust in a lie. Just like you did. We were in the same condition as the people of the world. They were holding on to strong delusions and believing they had their faith in something that was a lie. But you know, when the Spirit of God came, He began to purify me. He began to remove that that had my mind my thinking, my awareness, my intellect, that that had my mind polluted from the truth, He began to purify me of that and let me realize what I truly was before it. See, God was working before I ever done anything. People think, well, God's waiting on you to go. If God had waited on me, He'd still be waiting on me. And I would have never come. But through sanctification of the Spirit, I'll tell you what God done. God took somebody that had no interest in hearing the Gospel, no interest in being saved, and was very satisfied with trying to lie to mom and dad that I'm sick and I'm not able to go to church tonight. Somebody that was satisfied with that. But when the Spirit began to open my eyes to the inward condition that I was in, I began to want to hear about this Savior. I needed to be saved. How did I get there? 
through sanctification of the Spirit. And folks, if God's not going to work, if God's not going to move, there's not going to be anybody else that's going to be saved and come to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not as you want to come. It's not when you feel like it. It's not whosoever will. Come on, just come on to the altar and be saved. That ain't the way it works. That leads people to trust in a lie. I'll tell you the way salvation works. God's working behind the scenes before man is ever aware of it. Through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Listen to what that word means. Persuasion. Complete conviction. Did you believe it before you were saved? Anybody here believe, and now I'm not talking about believe the Bible, believe in Jesus, believe that He died, believe that He was a baby in Bethlehem. Did you believe the truth? That I was a vile and wicked sinner and He had to come that I could be right with God. Did you believe that? I did not believe that. I didn't believe the truth. You know what it took for me to believe the truth? For the sanctification of the Spirit to come and God to convince me of the truth. God came to where I was in sin, in deception, and satisfied with being there. And you know the Holy Spirit purified me and He convinced me that I was a sinner. That I was lost and undone. That I was guilty before God. That I needed to be saved. And if God had never convinced me, I would have never believed it. Yeah, that's true. You couldn't have told me. Well, preacher, I've talked to them a dozen times and they won't believe. Well, I tell you, they won't believe. You talk to them every day for the rest of their life and that's not going to get them. It takes the sanctification of the Spirit through belief of the Gospel. Those go hand in hand. That's the way God chose now. God chose for the church to receive this salvation by this way. Whereunto He called you to call out to invite or to invoke. Whereunto. So what's whereunto? This is the place where God's calling. Where's He calling to? Into this salvation that He chose to give you before the foundation of the world. God chose to give you this from the beginning. And here, God's calling you into what He's chose to give you. You see, that? that's beautiful to me. Oh, yeah. You've already got it. He's already lined it up. And now, through the sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, He's calling His church into what He's already prepared for them. Behold, I go to prepare a place for you. You know where He went? To the cross of Calvary. And you know what He did at the cross? He prepared a place there yes, for me. I wasn't born yet, but He did. Because the church was chosen from the beginning to this salvation, whereunto He called you by our gospel. 
So look at this plan now that God from the beginning planned this out. God sent His Son Jesus at the fullness of time. When God saw fit to send Him, man didn't have nothing to do with that either. He sent Jesus when God was satisfied that it was time to send Jesus. And then God called the church. And ain't it something now that even today through the gospel, God's still calling His church unto this same salvation. God's still calling. You know how He's calling? Through the gospel. You know how He called those at Thessalonica? Through the preaching of Paul the Apostle. Well, you don't have to have preaching. You don't have to have hollering. You don't have to have sweating. You don't have to have a man telling. I'm telling you by the Word of God, God from the beginning chose the church to salvation. He chose them to receive it through the sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. And He chose for that to happen through the preaching of the Gospel. Now you run the Gospel out of town. You've run God's means of salvation out of town. He told them, he told Timothy, he said, Timothy, the day's coming. They're not going to endure sound doctrine anymore. They're going to run it out of town and they're going to get them a man because they've got itching ears. They're going to get them a teacher that'll satisfy their lusts and satisfy what they want to hear. That's well and good. But know this, you get you a teacher and you run the gospel out, you've run salvation out the door as well. This is how God chose that man would receive this salvation to the obtaining, the acquisition. That's what that word means. The acquisition of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God now, let's get this whole picture. God from the beginning chose the church salvation. And God said they're going to get this salvation through the sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. And I want to get that to them through the preaching of the Gospel. And by the Gospel, I'm going to call my church to acquire what I've already purchased for them. You know, I believe we've got a good picture in the prodigal son. As he returned back home, the father had a robe and a ring that was just for him. He had already had it made and set aside. He didn't have to go borrow somebody else's. He didn't have to go have one made. He had one prepared. Well, you know this. You, you can picture this. God had an inheritance for those that are saved and born again. God already had it planned out from before the foundation of the world. And the gospel, when it came, whether you was 5, 10, 20, 50, or 60, God chose to call you by the gospel to acquire what He had already purchased for you in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no chance left to this. This is by the direction and the leadership of God to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. God giving His glory, just like the lady sung, when He sees, He sees the Lord Jesus, that God would give us the glory of the Lord Jesus. And we got it through the preaching of the Gospel. 
through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. And we're saved today because God chose to get us there. How else could you explain in a day that lies and deceit are so rampant and people are going, I mean in absolutely every direction, how in the world can people be saved today? It's by the power of God and not by the power of men. I, I believe Paul saw some hard times, but this is what he said. Wherein I suffer trouble. This is 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 9, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the Word of God is not bound. Paul was suffering great trouble and affliction because of the gospel that he was preaching. But you know what he did? He's going to endure, and he's going to go onward, and he's going to preach, therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, with eternal glory. Paul went to some hard places. Paul went to Mars Hill where they had an idol to every God that was imaginable. If you could think of a God, they had an idol to that. Paul went to cities where there was no gospel. There was no law of God. There was no understanding of God. Paul went to these places and began preaching Jesus. Now how could a man go to a place like that and endure what he endured in front of all these people? i tell you what he knew. He knew God had a number that was going to get saved. All he had to do was obey and preach the gospel. He was enduring not for those that were already saved, but for the elect's sake that they may obtain it. So, this redemption, this salvation brought to pass by the power of God. And if you're saved today, you're saved because God loved you no other reason. He had compassion on you. He gave His Son for you. And He called you out of the lie that you were believing and placed you in His kingdom all by His will. It's a wonderful salvation. Therefore, brethren, seeing this, seeing that God has wrought such a wondrous work for us, therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught. Now that word tradition, that word means a transmission. This is that that they've received. I believe we can see a picture of it in Jude. He says, I, I, I sought to write about the common salvation. It was more needful for me to write about the, the faith that was once delivered to the saints. You know where this came from? I didn't have knowledge of salvation. I didn't have knowledge of God until God delivered it to me by the Spirit through the Gospel. It was delivered and given unto me. And so stand fast in what God has given you. Because the devil would like to move you off of the truth and move you onto a lie. He would like to, he'd like to run the gospel out of the church. He'd like to cause opposition to the gospel. And my God, what opposition there is to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Churches that won't have you back. Churches that one time is enough. Not because they don't bit know me, 
more than the man in the moon. It ain't because I've done something to them. It's the Gospel. You just preach the Word and that'll be enough. They'll judge you, not by who you are, but by the Word of God that you preach. And they'll run you out and you won't be back. It's discouraging. It hurts. But you know what he says? Stand fast in that. Don't allow the devil to knock you off of the sound doctrine and the truth. Though they're going to oppose, though the devil's going to fight against it, though you're going to be despised for it, stand fast in the sound doctrine. Stand fast and hold. That word means with power to seize. There's going to be an effort put forward. I tell you today, there ought to be an effort by the church to seize and to lay hold of the truth of the Word of God as the truth is being run out of our country. And it is. The truth is being run out as fast as humanly possible. They are indoctrinating and brainwashing and they're doing it with repetition and they're doing it in commercials and advertisements. They're doing it in TV programs and sitcoms. They're doing it on the football field and the basketball field. They're doing it from the White House and from the press briefings. They're doing it on the news 24 hours a day. They are continually brainwashing people that they might move away from the truth of God. You know what we ought to do? We ought to buckle down and stand fast. I tell you, God delivered this to us. God saved us. He saved us out of that mess, we ought to give strength and hold on to what God delivered us. Stand on the truth. Stand against the lie of the devil. Don't pat it on the back, but stand up for what we know is right. People, people are never going to know the truth if there's not somebody to tell yeah. That's right. That's what he says in Ephesians. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. That's what his church is here for. To stand fast and hold the traditions. Not what mom and daddy done. That's right. not what the word means. Right. But what God delivered unto you. Right. Hold fast to that. Whether by word or our epistle. That's what Paul says here. Whether I preached it in person or you read it wrote down. Now I've never heard Paul preach in person. But I can say this. If the Holy Ghost would preach it to my soul, I can hold fast to that and trust in what the Holy Ghost is sure. And if it's written in the Word of God, if it's pinned down there, I can hold fast to that and trust it. I can believe it. And I can hold to that. Friends, we're in a day today that you can't even read it to people. Well, I don't believe it like that. Well, that's what the Bible says. That's what the book says. God help us as the people of God to stand fast and hold which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now the Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God, even our Father. Now what a team that's on our side. Not only do we have the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost is God. 
The Spirit, the Son, and the Father, they are one. And the Holy Ghost is just as much God as God the Father and the Son Jesus Christ is. And you know what the church has? I tell you, we're just pitiful in this old world today. No, we've got God dwelling in the camp. When Moses and the children of Israel marched and the nations of the world could look and see the glory. Yes, sir. They looked at the camp and seen the glory of God over the ark. That's what the church has today, but not in a cloud of fire or a pillar of smoke. The church has God Himself living in the midst and in the hearts of them that are saved. I tell you, it's not just the Spirit, but the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice the word. The Lord Jesus Christ Himself. That's what the book says. Not a representative. Not a little messenger. You know, when Naaman come to the man of God, he sent him out to Hazi. It was a little messenger. The church ain't trusting in a little messenger, but the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, and God. Even our Father. You know who's on the side of the church? Almighty God in all three persons are with the church. Could we look to or look for any greater strength than what the Lord has provided us? Which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. Now I realize this. The first lie the devil would like for people to think and entertain in their mind when trouble and when affliction comes is that God has forsaken us and God doesn't love. If God loved, then how? That's that's the way that this thing works. You know what's in here? The devil. This is the carnal mind. It's ruled by the devil and it is enmity with God and with His Word. But still... It thinks that. And if we're not careful, we're likely to be led down that road just a little. Sure. But you know what we've got here? The Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us. God, he, it's not. we're not waiting on love. I'm not waiting on God to show whether He cares about me or not. I'm not, well, we'll see how God does tomorrow and we'll know whether He cares. No, God put His love on display. He's already exhibited His love in the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. I talked to a man today that lost a son a young man in an accident and he said I work at a place of 300 people and if I could have put a bomb in that place and killed all 300 people to save my son it would have been very hard for me not to do that. That is a great love for a child, wouldn't you say? But he said, you know God gave His Son that I could be saved. What greater love could God show for the church than that He gave His Son and hath given us 
everlasting consolation. That the church has something that's not going to end when we die. That don't end if they throw us in prison. That don't end if they take all of our money from us. It doesn't end when they take our family from us. It doesn't end ever. God's given us something that's everlasting. Paul could go to the guillotine and say, I'm ready to be offered. And they could take his head off and life leave his body and his eyes open again in glory to be consoled forevermore. God's give the church something that's everlasting and good hope. A lot of people have hope, but it's no good. They're blindly hoping. But the church has good hope, an expectation, a certainty, a surety, not a question about what if this happens, or if that happens then. God's give us a hope that's steadfast, immovable. It's anchored behind the veil. You know where it's anchored at? It's anchored in the work that God's already done. Amen. The work is already finished, already accomplished, already been performed. There's nothing left that needs to be done. And I'm trusting in what's already done for my salvation. There could be cause to doubt if there was more work to be done. There there could be. But boy, the Lord Jesus has given us a good hope where there's no chance, there's no chance of the church being lost. There's no chance of one of the sheep be going missing in the forest. There's no chance of the Lord looking over one that's His. You know what the church is? His selected people. And He's not going to forsake them. He's not going to leave them. He's not going to lose one. He has saved them to the uttermost. By the complete work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has given us good hope and an everlasting consolation through grace. How did we get that? By the amazing grace of God. Not through my prayer. Not through my good deeds. Not through my preaching. But God gave me this through His grace. It's all the work of salvation. God done all of this. There's no place for me to mess it up. You know what they say at work? They want us to do the least amount of writing and the least amount of grading possible because the more you type, the greater likelihood there is of an error being made. So if you can just type it once, Do it once and don't do it again to prevent an error from being made. Well, the Lord now, the Lord didn't leave a place where that Joseph could mess up this salvation. He didn't say, now, you've got to pray this prayer and you've got to live this manner and you've got to finish this course in your life or you're not getting in, buddy. He didn't say, now Joseph, you're going to have to do this in order to obtain it. But God delivered this to the church when He saved them by His eternal grace. 
Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. That God and that Jesus Christ Himself. And do you know how they work now? I think the Spirit is thought mighty low of. Even to the place that the Spirit is thought of as a wet eye and a soft sword. That's called the Spirit today. The Holy Ghost is called emotion. The same emotion that I might get by watching a movie. That's not the Holy Ghost. No. The Holy Ghost is God the Father and Jesus Christ Himself. And they come and make their abode yes. with Him. Yes. How do they do that? By the Spirit. Yes. God the Father and the Son are dwelling with the church by the Spirit. And you know what the church needs? We need more grace. We need God's strength. His help and His power that as the days come, as deception looms, as the devil, as it looks like to this natural eye. Sure. Just what Jim said. Looks like the devil's got it and it's done for. I promise you, the church is not done for. No. The church will not be stamped out. No. The church will not be done away with. There will be a church by the direction of and by the election of God, there will be a church here when the Lord Jesus comes. If that's tomorrow, or if that's in a hundred years, you know how I can say that. Boy, looking with this, it don't look like it's going to happen. And the Lord Jesus said Himself, He said, will there be faith on the earth when I come back? Will there? If it goes a hundred years, will there be anybody That'll believe. There will be, because it ain't up to man. It's not up to man to keep it. It's the power of God working in His church. So may God help us to be strengthened by the power of His might in the inward man. And God help us as God tells Timothy, when the devil would lie to you and try to lead you off of the truth of the gospel, God help us to endure hardness as a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's called us into this. He's chose us to be where we are at the hour that we're in it. God help us to endure hardness, not doubt the gospel, but hold fast to what God has delivered us. Amen. To put forth strength and effort in opposition to the lies of the devil. Well, it ain't going to do no good in this day, preacher. I beg to differ. Paul said, I'm enduring all things for the elect's sake. It ain't about me. It's about the church and the continuing work of the Lord in this world. That's all that's on our heart.